1: The Legal Eagle Review is sponsored by the NCCU School of Law. We thank you for joining us this evening. As the end of 2022 quickly approaches, many of us are thinking about holiday shopping and gatherings and planning for our new year's resolutions. But now is also the time to think about the inevitable filing of our 2022 taxes, as there is still time to take steps to improve our 2022 tax position. On this evening's show, we're discussing last-minute tax strategies with our expert CPA and attorney and NCCU law alum, Kenneth Gibbs, of the Durham-based Thomas and Gibbs CPA accounting firm. Kenneth, as always, thank you for taking time to talk with us about all things tax. You're welcome. Um, so let's start where we always start with is um, who's obligated to pay and file taxes. So what we're starting from the very beginning, kind of this foundational um, understanding.
2: Sure. And, and so... Uh, The the US does have a voluntary tax system. Um, However, anyone who earns income and is above the filing threshold is required to file. So if we try to break that down a little bit, so if if you're earning income uh, and, and you're above what's called the standard deduction or you have itemized deductions, in other words, resulting in taxable income, then you are required to file taxes.
1: And now when you say we have a voluntary tax system, can you explain what that means? Yeah. So uh,
2: although uh, anyone who's working and uh, they're paid and they receive a W-2 at the end of the year and taxes are withheld from that W-2 depending upon um, how you complete your your, your forms, it's a voluntary system. We, it's not, there are some countries where the taxes are just withheld totally and you don't have to file. In the US, the taxes that are withheld are an estimate of what you owe. So if taxes are over withheld and you file your return, you'll get a refund. If taxes are under withheld, you'll owe. Or if you're self-employed and there's no one that's withholding taxes for you, you have to then prepare your return and, and file it. And, and it's called a voluntary system. But, but I will add this to it, that if you're required to file and you don't file, of course, there's the Internal Revenue Service who could eventually call upon you and determine your tax liability.
0: Well, you know, this is a uh, one of those, uh, the part of the trilogy. Uh, you're born, you pay taxes, and you die. And that's a part of the uh, certainties of uh, of life uh, here in this country, and I guess in other countries uh, as well. But for our listening audience, uh, many of them who don't really understand and many who don't want to understand, can you just kind of break down for us what is income? Because uh, you, you, you mentioned taxable income, as if there's such a thing as non-taxable uh, income so for uh, income tax purposes how is the uh, income uh defined
2: yeah so the internal revenue code uses language it's sort of like income um, is income from any source derived so we a lot of us are familiar with wages we go to work and we we're paid uh, we earn wages that's certainly income uh, for people who have investments, and they're paid dividends on those investments, stock investments, that's income. Uh, Bartering, believe it or not, is income. So in other words, um, I can perform a service for you. I don't receive any money. You perform a service for me or provide a product to me. That exchange is income. So anything that has an economic benefit can be considered income. So you say, well, then what are the things that are not income? The things that are not income are those things that Congress says is not income. So <laughs> some people have investments, uh, tax-exempt bonds, they'll buy municipal bonds. That interest, although it's income, it's it's exempt from tax because Congress said it is. And, and here's one that probably most people, many people, received over the last couple of years, and that was those stimulus payments uh, during the pandemic. Uh, Congress said those payments, although we received money, were not income.
0: And I guess among among this notion of what is uh uh re- income or taxable income would be those things in which uh people have uh well and, and let me let me let me put it like this then. The difference between Income that you have earned on a stock, but you haven't realized. Mm-hmm. How does that differ from the uh, money that you receive in your uh, paycheck at the end of the week, with respect to uh, tax treatment?
2: Mm-hmm. So, so, so that is a good question because there, there are things called realized income and recognized uh, income. So. Um, as well as unrealized income. So we're talking about stock, and we say I bought a share of stock, and I paid a hundred dollars for it. That share of stock is now worth five hundred dollars. There's a four hundred dollar difference between the purchase price and what it's worth now. As long as I'm holding on to it, that is an unrealized loss. It's it's a unrealized gain. Excuse me. It's a gain on paper. The value has gone up, but unless I sell that share. And if I sell that share, then that gain will be realized and recognized. So holding property, and, and, and our house is a good example of that as well. If we own a house, uh, we can see the value of those properties increasing, but until we sell them, those are unrealized gains.
1: And you know, with this um kind of digital economy and and with um, apps where it is much easier for people to purchase stocks we're we're finding that there's a greater percentage of the population that that finds themselves um, having um, circumstances that require a greater understanding of taxes. So what you were just talking about in terms of, an unrealized gain versus a realized gain. So, there's a popular app that I know, you know, like my children use, and, and I know many folks use, like Robinhood, for example, or an easy way in which to purchase stocks. So, you can see it go up and down. And what some folks don't realize is to, to your point exactly, which is if you do decide, if you purchased a stock, you know, like, you know, Amazon uh, five years ago, you may have an unrealized gain. And then at some point you decide to sell that, not realizing the tax consequences of it. Um, so thank you for, um, for explaining that. And hopefully folks that are listening will understand that whenever you're talking about an economic benefit, as you noted, that you do need to start thinking about these tax consequences.
2: Yeah, and c- if I can just make a, a quick point on what you're saying, and here's something else that people can get caught on sometimes. They'll have investments in a brokerage account. and let's say the broker sells it on their behalf. And that same gain that we talked about earlier occurs. The individual will say, "Well, I didn't take any money out. You don't have to take money out for income to be realized, okay? And so you you are correct, uh, certainly with the apps and 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 with other means of uh, investing electronically. Uh, we can still have income that's reportable, but we haven't taken any funds out of our account. Well, Kim,
0: what well, what happens with the person you know who is uh, who has this side hustle, mm-hmm. and they are getting paid by what uh, is 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 termed as under the table, and mm-hmm. uh, nobody's going to know about that money uh, anyway. Uh, is is that taxable, or discoverable by the uh, by IRS?
2: Uh, so that, that's another good question, because it, it definitely is taxable, and it's potentially discoverable. And for, 20, for 2022, uh, for the first time, the IRS has lowered the threshold for these third-party companies that do reporting. So what we used to do under the table, now we'll tell someone, hey, cash app me that money. So when you're cash apping someone money, there's a tracking of that, right? And depending upon the transaction or the nature of the transaction, you know, cash app and eBay and uh, PayPal and Venmo, these companies are now required to, to report on that. So many people who have not received 1099. And, and it's a, there are various kinds of 1099, but this would be like a 1099 K. It's it's what you get if you process transactions through credit card companies. Many more people are going to receive those uh, this year for the first
1: time. Which um, raises another question. So you, you mentioned in terms of who is obligated to pay taxes. So you mentioned that if uh, there's Income that's earned that's over the standard deduction, then one has to uh, file. Can you first talk about what the standard deduction is? And um, in what circumstances, even if someone doesn't reach that threshold, it still may be to their benefit to file their taxes. So we'll start with what is the standard deduction? So,
2: So the standard deduction is that amount of income that the tax code excludes from tax. For 2022, a single individual that does not earn greater than $12,950 uh, will not owe any tax. In other words, that amount will be excluded from their income. So if they, if they only earn $10,000, they won't owe any tax. <laughs> if you earn greater than that, then there is a chance that you will be taxed. but Uh, I say a chance because the tax brackets are also favorable to someone who's at a lower income level. So you would still need to have taxable income greater than uh, $10,225 to be taxed. So, you know, in theory, if somebody earned, you know, $22,000, $23,000, they could still not be subject to tax, even though they're required to file a return. And the, the second part of your question, you know, I think was, you know, someone when would someone file a return? Well, well, sometimes filing a return is the way you would get a refund. So even though you're not subject to tax, you may have had taxes withheld from payments that were made to you, either, either on a W-2 or, you, you know, maybe you're an in income category where you would get what's called an earned income credit, a credit that the government is giving back to you. So there there are many instances when filing a return is to one's benefit, even if they don't owe taxes.
0: So irrespective of how much a person earns, they still have to report every year?
2: Well, I would say unless they're lower than the standard deduction. So Uh, You know, many times, let's say someone who's on Social Security and that may be their only source of income or they may have a small pension, they they could be excluded from tax because either it would be wiped out by the standard deduction um, and, and, and their Social Security may not be taxable if the rest of their income is low enough. So there are circumstances where you can earn income and not be required to file a return.
1: But it's important that people know, you know, for certain, (laughs) right, before you before you decide not to file, make sure you are absolutely certain that you are not obligated to. Because, of course, as you noted, even though this is a voluntary tax system, it doesn't mean that um, failure to file is not a violation of the (laughs) laws. Right. Can you talk about the. problems when folks actually do not file their taxes like what what does the law what are the consequences
2: <laughs> yeah so so you know the, the consequences um, for tax evasion uh, you know certainly can be uh, up to you know being prosecuted and, and going to jail so it's illegal to evade taxes it is not illegal to avoid taxes by using the tax laws to, to reduce your liability. And um, we, we were talking before about uh, benefits, and I know i mentioned the stimulus payments that came up during the pandemic. Uh, the IRS, in many times, uh, they are charged with processing payments that the government may, may want to send out to, to people. So if you don't file your taxes or don't have good records as to where you were, either through social security or the IRS, there there are times when you could miss out on a benefit that you're entitled to if the government's providing that benefit. Generally speaking, we're talking about someone who's in a lower income category, but you know, not not always. I mean, it could be you know, someone who's you know, earning one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, which certainly
0: wouldn't be low income. All right, this is the uh, legal legal review, and. Uh... While you're looking for Santa Claus to come to town, uh, you can also expect the tax man uh, to uh, come to town and knock on your door. This is the time of the year that we talk about uh, year-end tax tips. And we're talking with uh, Kenneth Gibbs of the uh, Durham accounting firm of Thomason Gibbs. And uh, uh, we're trying to help you to understand some of the requirements. Uh, with respect to uh, paying taxes and here you are at the end of the year where that time has come and you have to make some last-minute decisions about how you're going to handle your cash uh, during the uh, remainder of uh, this uh, month. Uh, We're going to take our break right now. I want you to stay with us as we continue this very important uh, discussion. We'll be right back.
3: North Carolina Central University School of Law was founded in 1939 to provide opportunities for African American students to become lawyers. Embracing our heritage, the mission of NCCU Law is to provide a quality, personalized, practice-oriented, and affordable education to historically underrepresented students from diverse backgrounds to increase diversity in the legal profession. We empower our graduates to become highly competent and socially responsible lawyers and leaders committed to public service and to meeting the needs of underserved communities. NCCU Law is excited to announce the creation of the NCCU Technology Law and Policy Center, made possible by the generous pledge of $5 million by Intel Corporation. The mission of the NCCU Technology Law and Policy Center is to produce technology-conscious lawyers who will use technology in alignment with the law school's mission. To one, facilitate the efficient, effective, and ethical practice of law, and two, increase the access of legal information and services to underserved communities. You can learn more about the Technology Law and Policy Center by visiting the NCCU Law website.
0: Okay, we're back on the uh, legal legal review. And thank you so very much for staying with us uh, this evening. And uh, I'm certainly hoping that you are paying close attention uh, to this discussion and that you have your pad and pencil out so that you can uh, take notes on it. We're talking about uh, taxes, Uh, year end tax tips and what it is that you need to know, uh, things that you need to be uh, attempting to do during the remainder of this month so that it will positively affect uh, your uh, tax payments uh, that you're gonna have to uh, deal with over the next three or four months. And uh, we're talking with uh, Kenneth Gibbs, who is with the uh, accounting firm of uh, Thomas and Gibbs. And uh, uh, Ken has always been with us at the end of the year to talk to us about how to uh, better manage uh, our uh, our taxes so Ken starting out uh you know it, it, it used to be pretty simple uh to uh to deal with this uh, uh tax uh requirement so what when is it that you need to have uh tax advice uh when do you have to actually go and sit down and talk to someone like yourself rather than uh, relying upon these uh, companies, uh, with these uh, ready-made forms that you can uh, pull up pull them up on your computer and then send them in, and then the uh, tax man will knock on your door at the end of that uh, of that month. So when do we need you? <laughs> well, I'd like
2: to think you always need me, but in a practical <laughs> from a practical standpoint, I'd say if your tax situation is one where it is more than just the earning of wages, so some of the tax programs, and whether it's, you know, TurboTax or some of the other ones, you can do it yourself. But, but keep in mind, even if you're doing it yourself, uh, you should have a working knowledge of the terminology that's being used. Um and, and just real quick example. I mean, I, I had a client one time who had done their own return in the prior year and they had a home based business and they had written off a lot more of the Home than they should have, than what was allowed. So you, you just have to be familiar with the terminology. Uh, I, I, I guess, uh, you, you know you made a point about taxes used to be easy and we used to do those by hand. I would not advise anyone to try to do their taxes by hand. Not that it's not allowed. It, it's just that the, uh, the amounts on the forms and schedules carry from one form or schedule to another. And and if you're not using a computer-based program, it's pretty easy to make a mistake.
1: And you know, when you think about the um, uh, the, the applications, like you know, TurboTax, and that's of course, I think, the most popular, but I suspect there are others as well. Um, you know, even the questions, right? It, it there are a lot of questions, and this goes to your point about understanding the terminology. And you know, it. it there's a lot to unpack and to understand. Um, so even if, uh, which is one of the reasons why Irv and I do this show like every, actually twice a year, we do it in December and then we also do it again in um, March or April because the advice that you provide and the information you provide is incredibly helpful for those who, even if they are kind of going it alone, just having a greater mm-hmm. understanding of the the complexity and what some of these terms mean. Um, So, we are in December and so, you know, folks may be asking why is it that we're talking about 2022 taxes which will not be due until April of next year, why is it that we're talking about them now? And so, oftentimes there are things that people can do in December to put them in a better position when it comes to the tax filing um, that will take place in April for the current year. So, let's move into to our discussion there. Can you talk about one, why it's important to think about your um, taxes towards the latter part of the year, December, you know, November, December? What people should be thinking about, and what are some of the strategies that uh, we should be focusing on?
2: Yeah, absolutely. so so the the goal for everyone should be to pay. The lowest amount of tax that you can pay legally, and so when you look at that and you look at one's income for the year, uh, particularly if the the new year, the next year will have a lower tax rate, then you, you know you say, well, what can I do? Can I defer any income? Can I reduce my income in the current year, uh, you know, by pushing it out into the future? Uh, if you you know, from a retirement standpoint, that's a, that's a great thing to do. And and most people, either through an IRA, which is an individual retirement account, or many people who work have what's referred to as 401ks or 403bs, and these would be company retirement plans that you can contribute to. And so I tell people, so so between now and the end of the year, which is, you know, maybe another 16 or 17 days, uh, I still have an opportunity to affect my tax situation for 2022 once i get to january 1st with the exception of things like iras or there may be a few other things i can do after the year to reduce my uh current year tax so, so this is the time to do it you know, i still have a few weeks remaining so contributing to a 401k ira uh many jobs have what's called an hsa or a health savings account i'm putting money away for uh Uh, you know, medical issues that I may have in the future. Well, those contributions reduce taxable income. So that's still a way to reduce taxable income. Charitable contributions. uh, Sometimes people wait toward the end of the year to make their charitable contributions. You still have an opportunity there to, to affect
0: your tax by doing that. Mm -hmm. Can you talk uh, uh, just a little bit about the uh, advantages and disadvantages of uh... Uh, of marriage uh mm-hmm. having children <laughs> at this uh <laughs> time of the uh year not trying to be the first in line for the new year uh and what <laughs> what are some of the uh, impacts uh on your taxes do you run into with those uh and and, and with that when i talk about marriage also divorces uh would mm-hmm. also be something to to to, to consider
2: oh yeah ab- absolutely so so certainly you know having children and and if i could um if i could tell people how to do this i certainly would but if you had a child on december 31st you get the same benefit as if you had that child earlier during the year so um you know i i I, you know there's no specific advice that i'd give to someone who's expecting but except to say if the child is born before the end of the year you'll get a tax benefit And and certainly, uh, depending upon one's income tax bracket, uh, there may be child tax credits that that you get for the child as well. Uh, If the child has to go to daycare or you have to bring in someone to care for the child. And and again, this is dependent on one's tax bracket. There's a child independent tax credit. So there are credits associated with having children. if you're married and you choose to file married filing joint, uh, there may be benefits in filing joint that you don't get if you're married and file separately. So set a different way, the tax code looks favorably upon married people who file jointly. Uh, it may not make a difference, and, and most of the tax programs, and we do it when we're preparing returns, we look at it both ways to see even though you're married and you're filing joint here would be your individual tax liability here's the joint tax liability many times it's it's
0: less if you if you're married and file joint and if you if you're in the process of of, of divorcing and uh, you have uh children who uh will be in a position to uh be advantaged by having uh, the uh, the 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 custody uh, arrangements uh, that's uh, that's set out in the divorce decree.
2: So so that is a, that's a that's a great question, and, and and it also you know most many tax preparers spend many hours trying to sort through that. So you're you're absolutely correct. You know the the divorce decree should indicate uh, who will have primary custody and be able to claim the children. Uh, but if we keep in mind that divorce decree is a creature of state law. And when we talk about filing taxes, at least at the federal level, that that's that, that's federal law. And so even though the divorce decree may say what well, we'll say that the, uh, the the mother in many cases may have custody, uh, what you'll find on a tax return sometimes the non-custodial parent, will claim the child. And then it's just a bit messy trying to straighten that out. So that is, you know, we, we always recommend that that people agree to that. And, and even if the divorce decree may say one thing that the, the parents may decide later on, well, I want you to be able to claim the child. And so there, there are ways to do that. But um, what you absolutely don't want to do is have both parents claiming the same child. Uh, but that's definitely something we want to get straightened out before filing those tax returns.
1: So one of the things that we've talked about a little bit is uh, businesses. And we know with this gig economy, we have a lot of folks who, you know, just 10 years ago, we did not have as many people who kind of are working, who are self-employed, who have their own businesses. Um Can you talk about year end tax strategy for small business owners?
2: Absolutely. Uh, I I always tell business owners, they're going to get their best tax advantage by having good records. You know, I'll use terms like having clean books. Well, what does that mean? Well, sometimes the businesses are small and they can co-mingle business and personal expenses you absolutely do not want to do that so uh, have a separate banking account that only handles the business transaction have a set of books and be careful to only uh, include business income and and business expenses there Um, you're going to get your best tax situation there keep in mind if you're doing business we talked a moment ago about 1099s. If you're doing businesses and you accept credit cards or other electronic payments, you're going to receive 1099s. And and you want to make sure that if those 1099s add up to a certain amount, that your records also reflect that amount. Or if it doesn't, you you need to reconcile those differences. Um, So again, as a business, you you want to make sure you've got those records. uh, Those records can tie out. Uh, you know, businesses, if you have a retirement plan in the business, you know, we talked about an a, 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 a IRA or 401k. Well, certainly the 401k, those are business plans. So as a business, you can look and see what your profit will be for the end of the year. And you may decide, I want to make a larger contribution to my retirement plan. Uh, if you've got employees, there are other things to consider, but that's certainly uh, something you want to consider. And also those good records, if you're purchasing assets or you're spending money on other items, those records are gonna allow you to get a good, to get a, a deduction writing off fixed assets that you purchase you know with the, with the business. And uh, if you're small enough business, you can write those off in
0: one year through what we call bonus depreciation. Can you talk about the, uh, the differences between uh, what constitutes a business and what constitutes a hobby uh, where a person is uh, engaging in uh, some activity in which they enjoy doing and uh, they may or may not be collecting uh, income as a result of that?
2: Yeah, and, that, and that's a great question, because the same activity could be a business or it could be a hobby. And, and it really depends on the motive. So you know am i in biz am i conducting business to earn a profit yeah you know, what's what's my motive and so yeah you know, we can choose any number of things you know let's say someone's good at crafts and they make these in their spare time and they sell them or they give them away to friends or relatives is it a business or is it a hobby well wh- when you when you sell them are you pricing them at a market rate uh, do you advertise, you know, on the web or other places? Are you going to places, whether that, you know, whether it's a, a fair or something else, where these types of things are normally sold or traded? But ultimately, are you earning a profit from this activity over time? And we understand that a new business may not be profitable that first year, but the IRS does expect you to earn a profit over time because that's what someone in business would do. So regardless of the activity, we look at the motive. Are you in business? Are you conducting business to earn a profit?
1: You mentioned um, an example of, um, you mentioned that uh, there was someone who um, had a home-based business and they had done their taxes on their own and they had claimed more in terms of their their house than they um. Were able to, or should have been able to. Can you talk about um, challenges that arise when the taxes is taxes are not done correctly? And so, you know, like the cost and time associated with not getting it right, um, and just uh, the consequences of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> one consequence. And, and 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 I'll just go back a little bit to say there is a lot of electronic tracking and reporting these days. So what we see many times, even with returns that we prepare, where the client may not have provided all of the information to us. Uh, there, there may they may have investments account of invest, investment accounts that they've received ten ninety nines for and didn't report it. There may be other income. And what we find is we'll file the return, the IRS will get a notice, IRS will send them a notice and say, here's what's on your return, here's what's been reported by third parties. And many times they've just forgotten or overlooked. So the consequence is generally you'll have to pay the tax that's due and depending upon how much uh, you could get hit with penalty or interest. So the consequence of not reporting correctly Is you've got to pay the tax plus penalty and interest. Uh, Let's say it's not one where it's discovered through third-party reporting. Uh, What we see, and this kind of goes to uh, Herb's question about um, uh, being in business for profit or hobby. We lots of people have these home-based businesses, and they report losses year after year after year. I can tell you, North Carolina is pretty aggressive, and they will audit you. And ask you to provide documentation to support the expenses on your return. So uh, we see that happening a number of times. Sometimes these aren't returns that we prepared, but the, the the person will come in because they're being audited and they want some assistance with the audit. So uh, yeah, those consequences and, and the penalties can be steep, and there could be other charges tacked on for collection and other things.
1: So you're listening to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU. We're going to take a quick break, but we've been talking this hour about taxes, 2022 taxes, last minute tax strategy with our expert CPA and attorney and NCCU law alum, Kenneth Gibbs of the Durham-based Thomas and Gibbs CPA accounting firm. We're going to take a quick break, but we hope you stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: Hello, my name is Brittany Burks, and I'm currently a 2L at the North Carolina Central University School of Law, and this is your community spotlight. The North Carolina Central University School of Law offers four certificate programs. Upon completion of the specified requirements, law students may earn a certificate in Civil Rights and Constitutional Law, Dispute Resolution, Tax Law, or Justice in the Practice of Law. As a part of the Eagle Promise, NCCU School of Law offers our students four outcomes upon graduation. Completing a degree program on time, becoming socially and globally engaged, proving leadership, and graduating market ready. More information about any law degree program is at 919-530-6610. My name is Brittany Burks with the Legal Eagle Review. Thank you for listening.
1: And we're back. Thank you again for tuning in to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. I'm April Dawson and my co-host Irving Joyner and I have been talking this hour about last minute tax strategy as we prepare for our 2022 taxes, which will be due in April of 2023. We have with us here in our Zoom studio expert CPA and attorney Kenneth Gibbs of the Durham-based Thomas and Gibbs CPA accounting firm. Um, Ken, right before the break, you were talking about um, audits that may arise, um, that a lot of information is tracked electronically. And so even if one is not reporting it on its on their taxes, the IRS has access to a lot of this information, and they will, and the North Carolina Department of Revenue will, um, in certain situations, audit people. Um, so in addition to people being self-employed, having their own businesses, we have a lot of individuals that, in addition to having you know, like a a day job, if you will, have a side hustle as well. And so, again, with the explosion of this gig economy, we've got people who are, you know, driving for Uber or Lyft or doing DoorDash, Um, a lot of side hustles that are going on and they don't, oftentimes folks don't fully understand or appreciate the tax consequences of bringing in additional income on the side. Can you talk about things that folks need to be mindful of if they are deriving income from two different sources?
2: Absolutely, and the the, the key there is, like you said, they, they have a job and they're being paid and there's withholding of tax, taxes on those wages. They've got the side hustle where they're earning money, but taxes are not being withheld. And, and let's just say, you know, somebody's an Uber driver or something like that and earn another $20,000, $25,000 or more over and above what they've earned uh, at, at, their, at their job. And, you know, they'll, they'll come to us and they'll give us the, the reporting from uh, the ride service. And all of a sudden now they have a tax bill and they're like, what, yeah, how can I have a tax bill? well, you, you've just added more income to what to the income you already had, and there wasn't sufficient withholding on it. So even for the folks that have the side hustle, back to what I was saying about small businesses, uh, and, and Uber and Lyft and some of those companies are pretty good at reporting the direct expenses. In other words, they, they report your gross wages and they report what they charge you, any fees. But you may incur fees over and above that Let, let's just say you, you you've done something to your vehicle that makes it easier better to transport um customers well the, that may be something you can deduct for taxes um you know and again an example you know may, maybe you've gone out and i i don't know you know bought floor mats or 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 other seat covers or other things that will make the Strip more pleasant for uh, the customers. Uh, you you can deduct those things, uh, and 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 so it, it's always about keeping records. Okay, and and what we find is many smaller businesses don't they're not as good with keeping records, and
0: um, you're always going to get your best tax advantage by, by doing so.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know, you you, you talked about audits uh, before, and uh, you know there are people who. Uh, play the odds. Uh, they uh, uh, work under the assumption that there are only so many audits that IRS can uh, or will conduct uh, in a uh, given year, and that it is worth their while to uh, misstate or underrepresent uh, the income or inflate uh, the uh, the uh, business expenses that uh, that they have. Can you kind of talk? Uh, about the uh the dangers uh of uh uh not anticipating full and robust audits uh by uh by RRS. yeah and 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 so
2: you know I guess lots of things can be true um it, it's certainly true that your chance of getting audited is pretty low um, unless you're the one that's being audited then of course it's pretty high uh but those penalties we talked about before; those penalties can be, you can get, you know, underpayment of tax penalties that can equal, you know, fifty and seventy-five percent of the liability that you owe. So it, it's it's quite a risk to take, um, and 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 we're only, you know, and we're talking, particularly if they can prove fraud, and of course it has to be the intent there, but. Intent can be found a lot of different ways, but uh, you, 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 I always recommend you don't take the chance. You go ahead and report the income that you've earned, and you look for ways to reduce that. Look for legitimate ways to do that. But, but the time effort, more than likely, you're going to have to hire a professional. Um, you're going to owe a lot of taxes, and you're either going to pay that or um, you know, you you'll face loss of assets. I mean, because the IRS ultimately and the state as well, they can ultimately go after your assets to satisfy uh, these claims against taxes. So, yeah, there there's not a good result uh, from you know playing the audit lottery. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just not a good result,
1: especially if we're thinking, you know. Wh- like, what are you trying to to gain by, you know, like how much really are we talking about? So let's say a couple thousand dollars, right? You're misquoting, you get a couple thousand and, and how much you will wind up paying. So you noted the the penalties, the fees, the professional help. And you look at how much you are putting at risk, um, which could be tens of thousands. And, and really, is it worth taking that gamble? Um, You mentioned like looking for legitimate ways. And so this goes back to your distinction between tax evasion and tax avoidance. So tax evasion, of course, is illegal. Tax avoidance is, I think, kind of goes back to what you were talking about with, um, are there legitimate ways in which you can deduct? So the Uber driver who, you know, says, well, if I'm engaging in this business, let me go ahead and, you know, purchase. you know, floor pads, you right. And and that might be a legitimate business write-up write-off. And this kind of goes back to you know what we were talking about before, which is um it, one may not fully understand ways in which they can reduce their tax liability. And this kind of goes back to education and information. Um, can you talk a, a little bit about your your clientele? So um you've mentioned business owners. um who else seeks your services?
2: Yeah, so um, and, and and this is an interesting one. We just had a call recently where, um, someone had not taken their rmds now again the rmd is the required minimum distribution so if you have pre-tax money that's in uh, you know ira or something of that nature the irs requires after and it used to be after age 70 and a half that you have to start taking distributions uh, that age has now gone up to 72 and there's Legislation where it may take it up to 75, but be that as it may, once you hit the age, you're required to take a distribution. And, you know, there are calculators and you can put the amount in the calculator and your age and those things. And so each year you have to take them. If you don't take the required minimum distribution, the penalty is 50%. So if you were required to take $20,000 out and you don't, you've got a $10,000 payment in addition to the amount being taxable. So we get calls for lots of things, um, you know, that are related to tax preparation, but maybe just related to uh, things people have not done tax-wise, you know, um, a lot of times just because they're busy, Right. You know the pandemic has thrown a lot of us off in terms of what we had been doing and should be doing. But um, even in those instances, there there may be ways to um, get out of the penalty if you have reasonable cause. And again, it, it's generally filing forms and um, I, I you know I don't want to say pleading your case, but you but you are bringing forth circumstances that would be reasonable cause for not having done what you should have done.
0: You know, er earlier you mentioned uh, those individuals who were able to obtain uh, funds from the uh, government during the COVID uh, pandemic uh, period. And uh, many uh, people uh, saw a way to illegally obtain uh, some Mm -hmm. of those funds uh, by applying as a business when you didn't have a business, uh, claiming a number of employees that you have when you didn't have any employees uh, at all. And uh, as a result of that, they obtained cash from the uh, from the government. And now uh, many of them are being prosecuted uh, for that. Can you talk about the obligation to pay taxes on those illegally obtained funds or other illegally <laughs> obtained funds that uh, that uh, that people uh, get involved in uh, over, over the years. That's taxable income.
2: Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And um, y- you know the, the famous case that people sometimes cite is uh, you know the, the gangster Al Capone, where they they couldn't get him on a lot of different charges. They got him on tax evasion. So yes, even even income that's illegally derived. Is subject to tax. Now, you again, you're not gonna find many, you know, let's say people who deal drugs illegally or people who you know, rob banks and do other things, they're, they're not likely to put that kind of income on their tax return. But if they're caught, that is another vehicle that the IRS has to go after them for these illegal profits. Again, they were profits that are not reported. And so even when they're not able to prove other crimes against the individual they can certainly prove that there was income derived, and many times they prove it through lifestyle. They look at how the individual is living. How could, you know, if they're saying they have no income, how then can they afford to have the houses and the cars and the lifestyle that they're living without income? So yeah, even illegally obtained profits are subject to tax.
1: So between January and April is an incredibly busy time for you and your team. Um, Can you share what makes your job easier? Like what can, can we do now, right, to get things in order? to when we are seeking the advice of, um, uh, financial experts and CPAs to help us with our taxes, what can we do now to make for a smoother tax season and to make your job easier?
2: Well, a- absolutely. So, so going back to the electronic age that we live in, there are, there's a ton of information that's provided by, uh, you know, brokers, um, you know, 401k administrators, uh, e- even the benefits that, that you have on your job. Uh, I, I think one that we didn't talk about specifically was like, you know, the FSA, where people put money aside for dependent care or medical. Um, they definitely want to use that before the end of the year, but there's also reporting on that. Uh, we we have a number of clients who work for, com- for companies that issue stock to them it's always important to understand what is the basis in that stock Mm -hmm. uh, such that if you sell it, we can determine gain or loss. So it it all goes back to the documents. When you say, what makes it easier? uh, If we have the documents to support what the clients are telling us, it makes it that much easier. So uh, we talked about, you know, people with a side hustle and, and you say, well, what was your mileage during this? And of course, at that point in time, uh, if they've not documented it, they want to estimate it. Well, the documents are the best evidence to support the deduction. So it generally comes back to documents, um, and 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 I just encourage people, even if you're receiving things that you don't totally understand, <laughs> save them, you know, and and let's talk about it, you know, at some point in time. Don't don't dispose of it. So um, the documentation. Uh, is what makes it easier.
0: And then can you talk about charitable contributions, uh, particularly those made at this time of the year? Uh, Every uh, organization, nonprofit, uh, religious, uh, and others educational are out now uh, with solicitations. So what are the values of uh, making charitable contributions and how can that uh, minimize Your uh, tax obligations, although you are without those funds at the end of the day.
2: (laughs) That's right. So, um, yeah, charitable contributions, um, they are an itemized deduction. So, we talked before about the standard deduction. And if I can itemize, in other words, if I have more allowable deductions than the standard, then I can take that higher amount. Charitable contributions is an itemized deduction. So, you definitely want to look at that. You yeah, know, particularly, uh, you know, if it's going to help you tax-wise, make make sure you um, keep track of all of those. Most charities are are required to provide documentation if you're providing more than $200 of um, support to them. Uh, you know, and, and and here's something that that's important too. I know we talked about this RMD several times, this required minimum distribution. Well, when you take that distribution, that becomes income to you, so it goes into your return. There's something called a qualified charitable deduction, which means this amount of money that I'm required to take, I could actually send it directly to a charity, a qualified uh, charitable deduction. I don't have to take it into income. It qualifies for my RMD. In other words, I'm I'm abiding by the law. I'm taking this money. So I'm doing two things. I'm giving money to the charity. and, and, And that's good. Good for me. Good for them. I'm following the law by taking my RMD, but I'm not bringing it into income. So charitable deductions uh, are certainly a a good way to reduce one's tax liability.
1: And that would be a strategy um, for someone who, um, one, I guess, doesn't doesn't need that income, and receiving that income may put them potentially in a different tax bracket.
2: Absolutely. That's exactly right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. right okay um let's see so we we just have a few more minutes left any last piece of advice or information that, that you think it's important for um those who are listening to uh understand or consider as we are winding up 2022 and getting ready for the uh, tax season
2: sure I, I i would say just a, a couple of things and uh, You you know, tax deductions and tax credits change from year to year, and I I do have people that contact us from time to time and said, hey, you know, I bought this, you know, hybrid or electric vehicle, and and they told me I'm getting this credit, and and many times that that's true, but just make sure if you're buying it based on the credit that you're getting, make sure you really understand that, you know, do you qualify from an income standpoint, those kinds of things. Another thing with, you know, solar energy and people have, uh, you know, solar panels on their house. Uh, many of the folks that sell them also tell them about the credit that they'll get from tax on that. And and, and again, just uh, make sure that what they're telling you is, is, is correct. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Um, sometimes you can phase out of certain credits based on your income. So these things are personal to you, and and you know they get generalized a lot. But um, again, that's you know, we have the requirement to educate ourselves regard you know surrounding taxes here in this country because
1: taxes are so high. So yeah. All right. Well, we are out of time, but we'd like to thank our guest for his insight and and educating us on this incredibly complicated area. We have attorney and CPA Kenneth Gibbs of the Durham-based Thomas and Gibbs CPA accounting firm. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And of course, we'd like to thank you, our listening audience, for spending your Sunday evening with us. We hope you have enjoyed the show and that you've learned something and you'll share this show with your family and friends. If you have any questions, please send us an email. You can reach us at Legal Eagle Review at nccu.edu. And if you miss this show on Sunday, you can find us on the Legal Eagle Review podcast. Until next week, stay informed, engaged, healthy, and safe.